The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Now then, once again, the reaction to Carousel in the city of Domes. Was it fear? No, not fear. What then? More like anger. At the people who were about to die? At their blind stupidity. They were like sheep. It didn't have to be that way. That woman we found, she wasn't mad. She was frightened. And now I know why. If people think for themselves, it's a threat to the system. So you tell them they're mad and treat them like laboratory animals. Silence! It's barbaric! It's worse than the city of domes. It's worse than carousel. I order you to be silent. Why? Are you afraid? Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, August 20th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. You know, it's hard to know what to say anymore. In the wake of a public survey that revealed half of Canadians consider 2020 so far to be the worst year of their lives, our governments are determined to make them even more miserable. How bad can it possibly get? Most of you have no idea. And maybe you don't want to know, or maybe you just can't take it anymore. If that's the case, maybe you might not want to listen to today's show until you're in a better frame of mind. And I won't take it personally. You know, I'm reminded of a text I received in early July from Paul McKeever, who, by the way, co-hosted the show two weeks ago. And he wrote, Another great show, Bob. Thoroughly depressing and anxiety-provoking, but great. <laughs> well, if that's so, then mission accomplished. Yes, people are depressed and anxious, but, you know, many are so about the entirely wrong things. They fear the unreal and embrace the true horror that is the real cause of all their depression and anxiety. They're among the true victims of all the absolute lies and misinformation that the mainstream media and establishment keep churning in a daily propaganda machine that has been intentionally contrived to execute an entirely different agenda from anything to do with COVID-19. So the people who are such victims have to be persuaded, not necessarily to abandon their fear and anxiety, so much as to direct it at the true cause and source of their fear. And here's hoping that today's show will serve to be a real eye-opener towards that end, because after all, dealing with the reality of our situation and not its manufactured unreality is the only way we will eventually be able to shed our fear and minimize our anxieties. We'll get started right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform, and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcasts. And as always, consider offering your financial support. Everyone who donates $25 or more will receive a copy of the 52-page full-color publication, Climate Essentials. 
Now last week we talked about what I called the smoking gun. The banning of hydroxychloroquine as a known effective treatment against coronavirus, which is something we know to be a fact. Now the reason I called it a smoking gun is because prohibitions against prescribing hydroxychloroquine to COVID-19 patients is the smoking gun evidence that makes those behind these measures prime suspects in a conspiracy of mass murder never before seen in Western nations, and this I'm convinced of. And to add insult to injury, the censorship of those who are eyewitness to the crime, frontline doctors everywhere, is an act of injustice so profound that it staggers the imagination. And you already know what happened to Dr. Simone Gold, who led a team of doctors speaking out during a Capitol Hill media conference. That conference was removed from various major social media sites, and worse, Dr. Gold was fired for having participated in the conference in the first place. And that's one of the key reasons I wanted to make sure that her voice and that of the other doctors would always be able to be heard on this show. Naturally, Bill Gates praised the censorship of the frontline doctors and dismissed their testimonies and experiences as being nutty stuff. But the real nut in this scenario, is Gates himself, something that became glaringly obvious when his viewpoints were juxtaposed against those of the frontline doctors as we did last week. Of course, unable to refute them, it is only natural that he would want their voices silenced. So, you know, those who still believe that the continued COVID-19 restrictions and rules have anything to do with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, they are victims of a great injustice denied various opportunities to be exposed to narratives that counter the official line, their ability to judge truth from falsehood has been seriously compromised. And in this environment of censorship and political correctness, this has always been the challenge, to have any alternative views to the mainstream narrative be allowed to enter that mainstream discussion. Until more people are exposed to views about COVID-19 that are just right, Ignorance and fear will prevail while the sinister political agenda behind the pandemic will continue to make our lives even more miserable. And if you're wondering just how bad things can get, prepare yourselves for what you are about to hear from the front lines. Now I have to offer a double tip of my hat to YouTuber Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, from whom all of our audio bites today have been sourced, with the exception, of course, of our usual clips from TV shows, etc. Now, Laura Lynn conducted two interviews over the past week or so that just forced themselves to the top of my already selected audio bite list that I had prepared for this week's show from a wide variety of other sources. Because after I heard what I'm about to share with you, I just had to drop all of my previous planned commentaries to bring this to everyone's attention. I guess you might say I'm on a mission to help those people who need and deserve our help to give them a voice when clearly the mainstream Pravda media will never do so. And that's what we did last week in featuring the comments of Dr. Gold and her team. So one of the interviews conducted by Laura Lynn was with Canadian constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati, whose current statement of claim before the Canadian courts we reviewed on our show a few weeks back on July 23rd. The selected comments we'll be hearing from him today, as we later approach the last quarter of the show, have less to do with his statement of claim than they have to do with the big picture view of what is really going on behind the whole supposed COVID-19 pandemic. But right now, 
We'll be hearing Laura Lynn in conversation with Cassie Kutras and Alona Lawn, two women who live in Australia and who have a horror story to share with us that warns precisely what our own governments have planned in the coming months ahead. And if you think it can't happen here, give your head a shake because the process is already well underway and most people still haven't got a clue. Okay, so Cassie had uh, written this on Facebook and I happened to come across it and was extremely alarmed because it sounded like somebody in a desperate cry for help. It said, I am currently living under this communist rule here in Victoria, Australia. We have stage four restrictions. We cannot leave our homes for more than one hour of exercise a day alone. Only one person to the supermarket a day. We have meat and food shortages. All businesses have been closed. You need papers to travel and attend essential work. You need to pass through multiple police checkpoints to go anywhere and produce your papers, i.e. where you live. We are not allowed more than five kilometers from our homes. And we have a curfew from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Sounds like I'm living with my dad. Um, $100,000 fines for any business breaching these rules per person. We have the army and police going door to door, checking our homes. Please Google what is happening to us. We need help. And so it was on that basis that I went, that is absolutely nuts. And so I just want to welcome into the show, if we could bring in Cassie. So, uh, so I'll get your name right. Cassie Kutras. That's it. And, okay, awesome. And Alona Lan. Cassie, is this true what you wrote in that post? This is how bad Australia is? It, it, I can't even put into words. Yes, that's all true, but there are even more restrictions than that. It's even worse than what I wrote. As I said, that was just a comment on a friend's news feed, but our restrictions are, are just, they're crazy. No, no one knew what was happening in Australia. I've literally been getting thousands of messages from all over the world from people are saying, is this true? We had no idea. Our news isn't reporting on it. We thought Australia was doing fine. Um, we've been told that Australia had very few deaths. You know, how could you be locked in your home? That's martial law. And then I've been getting thousands of messages from people here in Victoria that are too scared to speak out they're, they're stuck in their homes. They don't know when this is going to end and they need someone to speak for them. So here I am. <laughs> okay. Could I play a clip of what this, it, what's going on right there? Uh, it's in the Victoria clip, right? Uh, this is unbelievable what they've done. Get off of me! Get off! Let go of his vest. Let go of his He's choking me. He's choking me. What the f***? Let go of his vest. Yeah, but you're choking, you're choking her. As a man on a guy, as a man on a girl, as a man on a girl and you choked her. For what? For a mask? For not, for not having a mask? Look how pathetic you are. She doesn't have a mask. Are you serious? Are you serious? Just for not having a mask. Oh, okay. 
So it's, it's actually, it's heart wrenching. It, it's just crazy. Can you tell me how many people have actually died uh, in your area or in Australia? Like it must be in the millions so I, for this to be going on. I, I give you the breakdown. Okay. Australia wide since January, we've had 361 deaths. A majority of those deaths have been in the aged care facilities or with people with pre-existing conditions. Right. So no one under the age of 30. Yeah, no one under the age of 30 has died. Um, in Victoria, where we're currently suffering through the worst lockdowns, we've had 275 deaths, 90% of them, again, in our aged care facilities. In the elderly, right. Mm -hmm. And do you think that they got hydroxychloroquine and zinc? By any chance, <laughs> do you have any idea? Alona's laughing at this one. No, our government actually banned, they outlawed the use of hydroxychloroquine and zinc by our chief really? health medical officer. Even though it's a proven safe medication, it's been used for 65 years. And the alternative that they're being given is nothing. So it's either hydroxychloroquine or nothing. And they're leaving our old people there to die. Wow. Okay, so, so um, Alona, you are a natural health advocate and you are also running as a, uh, a political candidate in Informed Medical Options Party and you're gaining traction. Okay, and what part of the country are you in? Because Cassie's in Victoria. Yeah, I'm actually Queensland, and um, but I'm at the bottom of Queensland on the Sunshine Coast. Right, and so you were saying that it is so bad that you and your husband, you're living in your dream environment, but you yep. don't think that you can take this anymore. So basically, we've saved for 17 years to buy land in our regional town here. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a tourist town. It's where everyone sort of dreams of coming and building their dream home. And um, this year, we were supposed to build our home, but because of all the lockdowns and the shutdowns and just stalled economy, we've had to put that on hold. And we both sort of turned around to each other last week and I said, I just don't think that I can do this anymore. I don't think I can live like this for the foreseeable future. And currently, all of our borders Australia-wide have been closed. They've been sealed shut. So Australia is no longer one country. We're a whole heap of tiny nations. And as I explained, our federal government, our conservative government, which should be overseeing the whole of Australia, is missing in action. And Victoria is being overseen by what we call Dictator Dan. <laughs> Um, and here's our state leader, our premier. Um, the rules are so bad that currently we can't even get across the border to New South Wales or Queensland. And I'm looking into seeking political asylum. That's how bad it is. Like, did, it, did either of you expect that this is what would happen in Australia? Oh, no. never, no, never. Uh, uh, just, yeah, it, it's just, it's crazy. I could go through some of the other stage four restrictions here that we're enduring. 8 a.m. till, uh, sorry, from 8 p.m. till 5 a.m., we're under a curfew, so we can't leave our homes unless you're an essential worker for a hospital or something. We can't leave... Um, for more than five kilometres from our homes. We're only allowed for one hour a day exercise alone, unless you have children with you, of course. You must be masked at all times when you leave your property. Um, we have been given uh, 
directives that say that if we have a medical reason we can't you know we can go without a mask but you've seen the images and the footage of that young lady who did have a medical exemption and she was thrown choked sat on and then arrested and she was kept in jail for two days until the uproar over here and they let her out she's been charged with assault by the way for trying to push the um the police officer off her um, we've only allowed four reasons to leave our house. That is to go to the supermarket, to seek medical attention, to give care or to go to work if you're an essential worker. If you're caught outside the house without one of these four reasons, you're automatically given a $1,659 fine and arrested. Uh, so compulsory mask wearing for children over the age of 12 everywhere. And again, a $200 on the spot fine and arrest. All of our schools have been closed. So everything's been done online. Um, all businesses have been closed. So we can only do online ordering. The only things that are open here at the moment are supermarkets, post offices and the butcher and maybe the chemist. Um, but Bunnings for us is the big, it's your equivalent of Home Depot. Um, that's shut, Target, Kmart, nothing. It's, it's just a complete, you know, wasteland. There is no one out anywhere. We've been warned that there'll be meat and food shortages. Our Premier has shut down entire industries that will then affect the rest of Australia. So we are the biggest port here in Victoria. And, um, yeah, he's, he's shut down. Our manufacturing will lose it. Most businesses are, are closing. The economic devastation that's going to come is just astronomical. Um, restaurants and cafes are open, but only for some takeaway and most business owners can't afford to open up to make $7, you know, a day, maybe profit. Gyms, health food stores and everything else, it's all shut. Um, we have police checkpoints and army presence right across the state and especially in Melbourne Metro and surrounding suburbs. So that means that, um, a couple of weeks ago, my husband had to go down into work. We had to go through a police checkpoint to get to work, two of them, and another two to get back home. And we need to provide papers that we apply for from the government website to say that we are legally allowed to leave our homes and that our essential uh, that our work is essential. Um, now, if for whatever reason we've filled out the forms wrong and they deem that we shouldn't be at work, we shouldn't be doing anything, we have a $9,600 fine per person or a $99,900 fine per business. Wow. And the Victorian borders have been um, shut. We cannot visit friends and family. We cannot visit um, loved ones in aged care facilities or anything like that. And our aged care facilities the residents in there are being left to die. They're not being seen yeah. by doctors. They have literally been sealed shut. And yeah, and, and now there's no one there to advocate for these patients. I had a girl yesterday, a friend of mine, and she has two family members in the aged care facility up near here in regional Victoria. And her mum's very sick. So she was trying to organise a regular visit by a doctor to come and check on her health. And she was told yesterday that her mother couldn't be seen by a doctor until this was over, possibly in 18 months, um, because they were trying to protect everyone. It's, it's, just, it's just crazy. And they wonder why people are dying in aged care facilities.
Yeah, yeah you they're go, not no. treating them. They're not treating no. them. My mother is in an aged care facility in Bendigo. She's just come out of lockdown, locked in her room for 14 days, not seeing anyone because of the mandated, and this is something over in America or Canada and places that you don't know, over here for, to be able to visit people in aged care facilities, you have to have a flu vaccine. So my mother has been in a facility since March and seen one family member that is vaccinated with the flu. So for five months, she's been locked in a facility. It's disgusting. It's, and my it, brother so goes to see saying... my mother for Mother's Day and can't get in and can't see his mother. A, for the flu shot, and then B, they're locked in their rooms because of one case of corona in in the facility. Um, you know, and so this is happening you don't get a flu, if you don't get a flu shot, you can't go. And what, what kind of flu shot? Like, because the COVID shots aren't out yet, right? So just no. the regular flu shot, you have to get yes. a regular flu shot just to go visit your senior parents. Also to yes. work in an aged care facility. So anyone that's working uh, is a nurse, a doctor, a tradesman, a, a staffer in the um in the kitchen, nobody is allowed to enter aged care facilities here in Victoria unless they've been fully vaccinated with the flu shot. And they just finished this before a huge explosion of coronavirus cases in Victoria. So it's just crazy. And we can't even provide to visit people in um, aged care. We can't even provide a medical exemption. They won't accept it. They're just like, that's it. If your loved one's here and you don't want to be vaccinated, then you can't visit your loved one for the rest of their life. So if you're thinking right now, well, why not just get vaccinated so you can visit your family? Well, then you've missed the whole crux of how vaccinations are being forced upon an unwilling public. And all the while, allowing governments to continue lying that vaccinations are voluntary. And of course, there's the issue of the personal experience with vaccines. I know that a lot of what we've just heard seems completely unbelievable, and yet it's happening now. What you're hearing described about the conditions in Victoria, Australia, is coming to a neighborhood near you if it hasn't arrived already. It's all being spelled out for us, even in the fake news media, yet most people don't understand what it is they're reading and being told. They think it's all about fighting some kind of virus and we've all got to protect ourselves and wear masks. What a bunch of crap. The mainstream media is already talking about vaccines as if they were a done deal. Up to nine months needed to immunize all Canadians, according to a July 24th National Post article by Tom Blackwell under the headline, Who Gets the First Shots? Well, not me, that's for sure. First wave ebbs, what to expect from a second, reads a July 25th London Free Press headline, while the paper's editorial reads, Goal now is to manage COVID-19. And welcome to the new normal, reads a front page headline, while another reads, Chatham man fined $1,130 for failing to quarantine. And on and on and on it goes. But wait, what about hydroxychloroquine? All of this quarantine and vaccine talk is completely unnecessary. We already have a solution to the problem, as we focused our complete last show on. And by the way, which I intended to do again this week, until I heard about the Australia situation. But all this talk about second waves, waiting for vaccines, is all the same crap we heard to justify the lockdown in the first wave, all of which proved to be false. 
And that's why I will continue to air more evidence about hydroxychloroquine, because in the end, the truth will set us free, provided enough people are able to hear it and act on it. Cassie blamed public misconceptions about what's happening and that she received thousands of messages from people in Victoria too afraid to speak out. Well, the public misconceptions you can blame on the fake news media and often what constitutes fake news is not only the lies told, but the truths not told or misrepresented. The fact that so many people are afraid to speak out is in and of itself glaring evidence that we are not dealing with a real pandemic in the sense of being a threat to lives and health. Because if that were the case, then the more differing opinions and insights to helping solve the dilemma, the better, wouldn't you think? You'd want a diversity of opinion in order to arrive at a solution to the disease as soon as possible. But when you've only got one option, doing nothing, or taking a vaccine, if that's the only option allowed in the conversation, then saving lives is most definitely not the objective of the politicians, and it never was. And surprise, surprise, hydroxychloroquine is banned in Australia, even though proven safe for 65 years, and their alternative is nothing and to leave old people to die. I mean, how much more evidence do you need that this hydroxychloroquine ban is the smoking gun that points to those guilty of mass murder? Leaving people to die in old age homes? Cutting everyone off from everyone else? What the hell is all that about? I've never heard of fighting any disease by denying treatments and then locking the patients away. That's out and out murder. And until somebody calls it for what it is, this is never going to change. The people who are doing this need to be held accountable. And I hope these people end up being tried in something equivalent to a, a war trial. And this is perhaps the most scary thing for those still left alive. That you are only allowed four reasons. Four reasons for permitted absence from home. Otherwise you get a $1,659 fine and arrested if one of the four reasons is not justified. I mean, just how much more evidence of a police state do you have to have before you realize that you're living in one? And what's amazing is that the government already has all the forms ready that are necessary for everyone to fill out, just in order to go about their daily private business. None of these measures have anything to do with fighting pandemics. And then, of course, the ultimate agenda. Must have a flu vaccine before you can see your family in an old age facility or work in a facility. And what's alarming here is that we're not talking about the SARS-CoV-2 virus, but flu shots against other flu viruses. You see, the agenda here is to make sure that as many people as possible are given vaccines, and it really doesn't matter for what specifically, since vaccinating the whole population is the real agenda behind the whole pandemic and lockdown strategy. Of that, I am firmly convinced beyond any reasonable doubt. And remember, the vaccines they have planned to give us in the long-distance future will no longer be for the original SARS-CoV-2 virus because that will already have mutated into other forms by then if it hasn't already died out. They'll just be for whatever they tell us is the next virus that we have to be protected against. And they have, in fact, already announced plans to do exactly that. Now, free citizens often like to cite the fact that they live in a society where the rule of law is the operative principle of justice. But what we see today is no longer the rule of law. It has transmorgified into the law of rule. Arbitrary rule by men has replaced procedural and principled rule by law. And the rule of law is one of the very things that's being attacked by this viral pandemic 
of communism. Every COVID-19 rule foisted upon us by our politicians falls under the category of arbitrary rule by men. There is no accountability and citizens have no recourse once they've waited too long to act. And if you think that it can't get any worse than what Australians Cassie and Alona already described thus far, believe it or not, it gets a lot worse. And remember, this is not about predictions of what is to come, but about what is happening right now in Australia. And if it's happening there, then you can bet it'll be happening here very soon if we continue to allow our politicians to rule us instead of properly governing a free and sovereign people. Now as you listen to this next audio bite, honestly ask yourself if what you're about to hear described is the kind of world you want to live in because this is exactly what's being planned for all of us, no matter where we might be living in the Western world. Welcome to the new normal. Uh, I just have a question because I don't understand this papers thing. You have to have papers like to cross boundaries or whatever, right? That's yes. so bizarre. So we have to, uh, this is for work, a work permit. Again, if you can't get in the car and drive further than five kilometers to your closest supermarket, that's it. That's all people that are currently in stage four restrictions are allowed to do. And you're going uh, to checkpoints? Checkpoints. So if you leave your town, there's checkpoints. If you're driving to the next suburb across, there's checkpoints. There's checkpoints on all of our major arterials. There's checkpoints pretty much everywhere. I'll get back onto a story about a checkpoint here in regional Victoria that I got pulled up in. But um, so the papers that we actually have to carry uh, to say that we are essential workers. So you have to jump on. Um, my husband is a concreter. So we were told that our business was closed. Our next two years of work has been cancelled because the economy has been decimated and people aren't buying homes. Um, and, yeah, so a couple of weeks ago we were basically told that's it, your business that you've worked on for 35 years is now closing down, never to be seen again. We're just one of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of other tradies, small business owners that are in that position. But we got a call at the start of the week saying, listen, there's some footpath concreting that needs to be done out the front. Um, it's classified as essential work because it's to make the safe site, uh, the, the site safe, sorry. So I had to jump online, apply for all of the papers. I, I printed them all out and I've got some here right in front of me. So this is a worker permit. Um, and basically you have to go through and you have to write, you know, I'll give you the one that I haven't filled out. So this is a worker permit. I'm not sure if you can see any of that. Yep. Yep. And then these are the hours, these are the hours and the declarations and everything that goes in there. And at the bottom here, where we sign it, it did say somewhere that we would basically be, if, if anything here is, oh, yeah, here we go. Penalties. Completing this document with false or misleading information may cause you to be in breach of the permitted work permit scheme directions and liable to penalties up to $19,800 oh, $19, for individuals and $99,000 for corporates. So... Basically, fill these forms out at your own peril because if something's been filled out wrong or for whatever reason you're deemed non-essential and you shouldn't be there, that they will arrest you, put you in jail, and you'll receive those fines. And when we get pulled up at the police checkpoints, we have to show them those papers. And if we're travelling outside the specified work hours or they think whatever, then they you know, have to call the high-ups to double-check that we don't need to be taken and 
thrown in the clink. And Alona, is it the same in your area as well or is it slightly different rules? Uh, slightly different at the moment. The bizarre thing is, like, I had a birthday last week and, you know, we went down the beach, I went to a cafe, we rolled into, we drove 100 k's, and I went to a farm and there was, you know, 30-odd families there and we had this amazing time. And I'm thinking about the people in Victoria and I posted on, on my Facebook page and everyone's just like, what? You know, down in Victoria, they can't leave, you know, 5Ks from their home. Um, up here, though, we've got the New South Wales-Queensland border right there. So we've had to, I crossed the border about six weeks ago and you had to fill out a form. You had to have that form attached to your window and so you could drive down, but it was to come back in. Now, there was a huge um, queue to get through the, across the border and they were checking your paperwork. You had to have paperwork, a, a piece of paper for each person in the car. And then there was army there, there was police, there was um, and, uh, police and security. So there was all these resources just sitting there on the side of the road um, checking for these pieces of paper. So the restrictions have got worse now because of Victoria. So now if anyone comes, they've got a quarantine for 14 days. If you go to a hotspot in New South Wales, you've got a quarantine. And so mostly um, you've got a quarantine when you come into Queensland now, which is 14 days. It's at your own cost and you have to go to one of their allocated um, facilities like a motel or whatever. So people are saying mm. it's like between two and $3,000 to stay in these motels. And then, you know, we've heard different stories about how they've been treated and they're literally in a motel room for the 14 days for their quarantine. So um, I know with the quarantine, people were being checked, like down in South Australia and stuff. Um, so if you went down there, you would just self-isolate and quarantine. But then they were having the police come to your home or the homes that were the people were quarantining in and checking to see if the people were in the house. And if they weren't in the house, they were being fined. So, yeah, there's, there's, we the there's so many here. rules and regulations. Yeah, we have the same thing here. We have police and the army have been deployed here to go door to door to door to door to check that people yeah. are in their homes, that no one else is there visiting, that they are where they're supposed to be. And if they're not, they do the daily, you know, rah, rah, rah. They, they sh these many people were caught out and our, our um, police state over here um, even a, a smashing cars for people and pulling them out of their cars. And they rock up yes. to their press conferences. They arrive at their press conferences and, and gloat about the fact that we smashed four car windows today mm -hmm. and dragged these people out because they weren't obeying the rules. And and most people are here cheering that on. They're, they all think this is great, you know, public safety, wonderful. They don't realise how draconian and, and, and tyrannical that is from an oppressive police force. This is really, really uh, traumatizing. And I, I just think somebody needs to be held to account. What can be done for you guys? Look, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I honestly don't know. We need a large-scale pushback on our government here, especially down here in Victoria, and it might take the rest of Australia mobilising for us, filling the streets and protesting for us because we can't do it for ourselves. That's right. why I've been reaching out to people online. You're not allowed to protest now, right? It's it's against no, the law to protest, right? 
hundred percent illegal. We have, a, we have a huge, huge problem here in, here in Australia. It's huge. We've been sold yeah. out from underneath us to countries like China for a long, long time. Our industries, our farms, our we don't even own yeah. our dairy industry anymore. It's it's bought by China. Our education industry is owned by China. Our tourism industry belongs to China. Um, and when you don't agree with what China wants, then you know we're we're just left out in the dark. I will say here in Victoria, our um, our Premier actually signed a deal. It's called the Belt and Road Initiative. And it's a secret deal that Victorians haven't been told about that goes against our Foreign Affairs um, Minister and um, our Foreign Affairs Board. They don't know what's anything that's part of the deal and um, they warned against it. The Five Eyes have warned against it. Mike Pompeo from um, the US warned against it and our Premier went and signed it anyway. And this week, while we've all been under the cover of darkness um, and we've all been locked away in our homes right across Melbourne, um, the start of last week, planes, planes and planes and planes and planes were arriving from China and lo and behold, what was in the planes? It was all facial recognition technology to install right through Victoria. Then the next day, out in our media, what should happen? The propaganda arm of the Victorian government starts touting the wonders of facial um, recognition to slow the spread of coronavirus. In other words, they will track you all so that they can make sure you're social distancing. They've installed 5G towers everywhere. Everyone knows that, you know, that kind of radiation is terrible for us. Um, and there's been a huge pushback from the Victorian people and our parliament were completely unwilling to answer questions. They won't even answer basic questions. I've been writing letters for months. They won't even respond. They won't even open them. So we're left without a voice. Our we government did parliament here so that the opposition couldn't ask any accountability questions as to our lockdowns. And they opened it up for one afternoon last week and they all went there, grandstand that we're here now, but refused to answer a single question that the opposition party did and then came out in a public display and said, that was very dangerous and we won't be doing that again. This week they actually turned around on a new segment this week and they said anyone um, that is, so the Victorian government are currently considering fining, arresting slash jailing anyone that shares conspiracy theories that goes mm. against the government's advice online. So wow. that's basically people like myself, people like Alona, who maybe don't agree with vaccinations. We, we're um, pretty vocal against the lockdowns and we're very vocal advocates for health and freedoms in general. We will be hunted down and put in jail straight away. And we've been, I've been asked questions from people all over the world. Why aren't you people filling the streets? You know, go take out your guns. <laughs> Guys, we gave our guns back in, nine, in the 1990s. Um, it's, it's well known now that it was probably a false flag that did it, but we all as Australians laid back. Our government said, you know, give your guns back. So we all lined up in the hundreds of thousands and we gave back millions of guns and we are all unarmed, which, you know, also has its benefits. We've grown up and we've got very little crime or police officers don't get shot over here. So, and I'm, I've always been anti-gun, but if you turned around to me now and said, are you pro-gun or anti-gun? I tell you right now, my, my options and my views have changed entirely after this. We, our, our government here has made it illegal for us to go and protest. So 
we can't, even if we wanted to get there and have civil disobedience and stand up for our rights, we can't get through the police checks to get down into the city and we're arrested before we even get there. So we're left to, you know, trying to call for help online and warn other countries that this is coming to you. <laughs> you know, if you all well, think you're safe from this, watch out, speak up now, mobilise now, mobilise everything that you can now and warn people what is coming because I promise you it is coming. We're in our winter now when we would normally have colds and flus and viruses and all that kind of stuff. You guys are in your summer. I promise you, as soon as your fall comes, look out. They'll lock you down. Wow. Yeah, wow. Talk about an understatement. It's almost as if Cassie in Australia was reading our own newspapers, which do indeed say that we can expect more lockdowns this fall and winter here in Canada. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And what we just heard is a vision of our own future if we continue to allow our incompetent and or evil politicians to keep calling the shots on this. And even if they say they're deferring to scientific and medical advice, the responsibility and choice is still in their hands, which probably accounts for the similarity of the parliamentary shutdown story out of Australia with our own parliamentary shutdown here in Canada. So imagine your day-to-day -day life being lived in a manner similar to what we just heard out of Australia. This is essentially what is being called the new normal, and there are many among us who actually think that this would be a great idea. These people are not only the enemy of free people everywhere, but they are also their own worst enemy, whether they are conscious of that fact or not. Now the interview between Laura Lynn and her Australian guests occurred August 14th, whereas this next exchange between Laura Lynn and Canadian constitutional lawyer Rocco Galati actually took place four days earlier, on August 10th. And just listen to what he has to say about the whole situation. This totalitarian insanity that's being rolled out without justification. Australia has some of the lowest numbers, if not the lowest numbers in the world, and they got soldiers and police officers enforcing public health orders. You need a Johannesburg apartheid type pass to walk the streets of Melbourne. There's an eight o'clock PM curfew because we all know the virus has vampire bat attributes and only comes out at night. I mean, why are people swallowing all of this? They're floating this lead balloon in Australia for good reason, and I'll tell you why. They're going to run it there to test to see what the public's on-the-ground reaction to it is before they roll it out in European and North American countries. So that's what their intention is. What do you think is going on behind this? Like, is, it, is this the end of the world? How do you see it? Because these are unprecedented days. Listen, what's going on is the, the, the end of a script that's been unrolling since 1943 in terms of the new uh, world economic order. And, you know, this is, this is out there. People want to read about this. It's not a secret. We're getting to the end of uh, their attempt, the globalist agenda, to globalize the world where the elite actually are controlling and bypassing sovereign governments and sovereign constitutions, are taking over in terms of the extraction, processing, distribution, and financing 
of goods and services, all right? And if people think that the world's resources are extracted, processed, manufactured, distributed, and financed by way of coincidence and telepathy, then you should see a psychiatrist. They're taking over the world. They want to affect global and mandatory vaccinations for everybody. And they've converted, they're converting the economy into a very heavily, uh, heavily technological sector economy. So the, the economies that are going to dominate are pharmaceuticals, because everything else is being done by robots, some pharmaceuticals and technology. And lo and behold, it's the same group of gang of criminals who hold the vaccine interests, who hold the pharmaceutical interests, who hold the technology interests. So part of this pandemic, what's happened is that small businesses have been run out of town. The corporations have expanded. The mass, the the uh, the uh, multinational corporations have expanded, and we have shifted heavily into more technology. So we've got contact tracing apps. We got Google Classrooms. We got Zoom court hearings. Everything is going technological. That's what's happening. And just just think of the numbers, okay, Laura Lynn. I want to throw out some numbers for people. I don't think people are understanding the numbers. So Bill Gates and his friends want to vaccinate seven billion people, okay, mandatorily. At 105 bucks a shot, uh, these vaccines. That's 750 billion dollars for one shot of COVID vaccine. They want four in the first year because they say the the immunity runs out after three months. So that's $3 trillion of the COVID vaccine in the first year. Let me explain to people what $3 trillion is because it's abstractly difficult to get your mind around this. $3 trillion, and you'll understand this better if you're a Christian, is $4.2 million a day for every day of the year ever since the day they put Jesus on the cross. It's $4.2 million a day day for every day for 2,000 years. Now, if they then go on and do mandatory vaccinations to the pornographic list of vaccines they, uh, that uh, they want put out every year, including all adults who were never vaccinated to catch up to children, which are something like 26 vaccines, you're talking at $90 trillion, which is $127 million a day since the day they put Christ on the cross. And that doesn't calculate interest in between, Laurelyn. So, and people say, why would they be doing this? Are you kidding me? So the, the mainstream media is progressively becoming very irrelevant. That's why they need all this money because they're going under. But the problem with COVID-19 is that the governments have bought and censored YouTube and uh, Twitter and Google, and they're doing their dirty work for them. So now we've gotten into a Nazi-style propaganda war. And pe again, people always criticize me for making that World War II analogy, but the propaganda machine in World War II was not as effective as what YouTube and Twitter is doing today. Although I'm not a, a religious man, I, uh, you know, I, I always take heart in what my mother always used to say. And she's not alone at this. She died uh, eight years ago at the age of 94. My mother always used to say, and she was a very spiritual, religious woman. 
she always used to say, you know, if you want to make God laugh, make a big, big plan. Right. And every big plan of every fascist yeah. dictator in the history of humanity has eventually disintegrated and blown up in their face. Right. And that's my bigger fear, Laura Lynn, is because there are certain points in history, and history bears out, that humanity reaches a level of consciousness without organization and debate between 1901 and 1914 seven heads of state were killed and 40 cabinet ministers you had the riots the anarchist riots all over the world that wasn't organized people have had it with the world order and world war one and world war two were actual global revolutions against that world order and that's why during world war Two, I have a picture in my office, an original photo by Winston Churchill's daughter with Churchill. I'm looking at it now, Roosevelt and Mackenzie King sitting on the ter uh, the Dufferin terraces of the Chateau Frontenac in Quebec City when they said to each other, boys, this ain't working anymore. After the war, we're going to have to devise something else. And they did. So they started with the, the European Union in 51. In North America, we said to the Europeans, Europe and North Americans are too individualistic. They won't take a trading block. So let's start sectorally. We'll do the auto pack, the lumber trade deals. And then by 1970, we had the free trade agreement popping around, 1980. Then we had NAFTA. Now we got, now we got CETA and the WHO. So it's been, this has not happened by coincidence. This has been planned, executed, and now we're to the end. Right. This is well, the end play, except if, if there's enough pushback from people, they will not succeed. Listen, you know, right. the American Revolution had the highest participation of any revolution in the last 200 years, and only 3% of the colonists partook in the, in the, in the American Revolution, for instance. People have a, an easy time, Laura Lynn, accepting that a vicious virus can infect the world but they have a hard time believing that a good idea can infect the world. Well, we sure know that a lot of bad ideas have infected the world. But in order to be able to infect anything, the ideas first have to be spread. And that's why the bad ideas have taken root so well. They are being spread daily in the fake news media. And there are no antidotes allowed in that environment. But the principle holds true. Infecting, quote-unquote, the world with good ideas is the key to turning the tide. And in this regard, we actually have some good news to report, which is exactly why you aren't hearing any of this in the mainstream media. Surprised? For example, you may not have heard about the August 1st protests in Berlin, Germany. I first mentioned them last week when I reported in addition to the German protests, that on August 8th there was a huge protest in Montreal marching against forced mask wearing, some reports going as high as 100,000 people, and I reported that in Germany about half a million people marched in the streets of Berlin protesting the wearing of masks and the continuing lockdowns. Turns out that figure of half a million was far too low. Rocco Galati tweeted out a message with a link to childrenshealthdefense.org, where there was an August 11th report about the August 1st Berlin protest, accompanied by two additional links to videos of the crowds, which were absolutely immense. It's just remarkable to see that. And I quote, As you have already heard, there was a massive protest in Berlin August 1st. I've been waiting to report on it until I had a complete picture about it and what happened afterwards. 
Health freedom was a big part of the protest. More and more people are waking up to the fact that they do not want to be guinea pigs for Gates' experimental vaccine. But it was also mainly about our freedom and human rights, against draconian measures put on us by government, against lockdown, social distancing, and masks. The numbers that were reported vary greatly. The mainstream media, in collusion with the Berlin mayor, tried everything to cover it up and lie about it. They snapped a picture of the protest in the early morning, many, many hours before it actually began, and used this picture to say there were 17,000 people at the protest. The mayor himself told police that the people were acting against the democratic principle and ordered police to end it. Mainstream media proclaimed many hours before the protest that it was made up of a few crazy Nazis, conspiracy theorists, and corona deniers, and then was dispersed by the police. But here's what actually happened. People, normal people, concerned citizens, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, doctors, lawyers, business owners, streamed to Berlin by the hundreds of thousands. The official numbers from the police were 800,000 to 1.3 million, with 2 to 3 million people in the general vicinity. People attending said that the energy was unbelievable and felt like a bomb of light and love and peace and freedom had exploded in Berlin. In the afternoon, police came to end the protest because people hadn't been adhering to distancing and wearing masks. Apparently this hadn't been a problem at the Black Lives Matter demos in Germany, but I guess it matters now what exactly you are protesting. The other thing they did in Berlin was to interfere with everyone's phones and cameras, so it seemed like the protest would not be live-streamed to contradict the media narrative. But one of the organizers came from Switzerland and his phone, for some reason, was not affected. So he live-streamed the whole protest. Even now, there is massive censorship on YouTube about the real protest images and facts. Many hours after mainstream media had already announced that police actually did end the protest by cutting off electricity and carrying the organizers and speakers off the stage. Two of them were arrested later, as well as some protesters, but everyone was set free as the police had no grounds to hold them. Two lawyers co-organized the protest and made sure that nothing untoward happened. Some police acted very reluctantly that day, which you can see on the police officer's face in the video when he had to tell the protesters to go home. People were telling him that he didn't have to do this. They were all there for him and his family too, and if he did the right thing, he would go down in history as a hero. He visibly struggled for minutes, but made the announcement in the end. He later said, I was only following orders. I think we've all heard that one before. Protesters all sat down on the ground and would not leave, chanting, We are staying here. A part of them then proceeded to the main government building in a human chain and chanted, Angola, dein Volk ist da. Angola, your people are here. Everything was mostly peaceful, which was a big goal of the organizers. Their motto was, Resist like Gandhi. Although there were some Antifa activists there to start trouble among the protesters and some young police officers sent to use violence against some of the organizers and protesters, overall the day was calm. The organizers themselves were absolutely overwhelmed by the sheer number of people, as they had hoped for 500,000 tops. They will keep organizing these protests all over Germany. During the weekend of August 8th to 9th there were demonstrations in Stuttgart. Politicians were panicked at the Berlin protest. It takes a lot of Germans to get off the couch and take to the streets, and no one expected those numbers. In the aftermath, politicians are demanding that our basic human right to free and peaceful protest be severely restricted in times of a nationwide pandemic. We'll see if that happens. 
Which brings me to the next topic. There have been leaks from government insiders that the second wave and lockdown are already planned for mid-September, and they will go on for much longer than the first. We can see politicians and media already preparing the public for this, blaming rising case numbers due to mandatory testing on the protests, on people returning from holidays, and people not wearing masks in public, when in fact most people do. The next protest in Berlin is scheduled for Saturday, August 29th. I understand that people elsewhere in Europe are organizing protests as well. What about the U.S.? Will you join us? End quote. Well, I can't speak for the U.S. or other countries or jurisdictions, but I do know that there is a planned August 29th protest on Parliament Hill in Ottawa in conjunction with the German protests. Hashtag Canadian Freedom Matters. But in closing, I wanted to draw our attention to a couple of things that Rocco Galati said in that interview with Laura Lynn. We are at the end of an attempt by the globalist elite to bypass sovereign governments and sovereign constitutions. They are taking over in terms of the extraction, processing, manufacturing, distribution, and financing of goods and services, he said. Well, this describes perfectly the process that Cassie in Australia was describing and having to fill out all the bureaucratic forms necessary just to be able to fix some concrete work on a sidewalk. That is how they want it in the future. And this is the same kind of concept that was touted under Ontario's College of Trades when the Kathleen Wynne fascists were in charge of Ontario. And that is what this whole COVID-19 shutdown is all about. It's all the ongoing politics of the left. And you know, part of the ongoing COVID-19 communist and fascist propaganda campaign is that Orwellian phrase, we're all in this together. Really? Just ask those folks in Australia how, quote-unquote, together they feel. Having been literally and physically cut off from being together with anybody, even members of their own family and grandparents in old age homes. And what we have in Canada is but a taste of what is to come. So let's be sure that we can continue to be together before we get banned for spreading good ideas. And one small step you can take towards that end is to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Oh, it's almost time for the Fuhrer's speech. Uh, you may stay and listen to it, Colonel Hogan, if oh, you wish. Thank you, sir. I uh, wouldn't want to miss this. <laughs> now, here is our beloved Fuhrer, Adolf Hitler himself. <laughs> Germans everywhere! Good morning! <laughs> the Fuhrer speaks to you tonight, live from Berlin. I'm happy to report that the war against the enemies of our beloved Reich goes well. It is possible that you have heard rumors that Berlin is in ruin. Hamburg is a shambles and so on. I order you not to believe these things, even if they are true. present time, certain negotiations are underway 
which will come as a great surprise to the father. Don't matter what happens, we will all be together. 